0: generation under so much pressure, how to a standard, impossible to measure, without guys, they suffer, no father in sight, uh, no love from their mother. Not defend
1: for the one in the mirror. Self-image distorted, can't get no clear or damn. Lost souls devoured by the streets. Ain't no tales or yellow bricks. Body feet, only crack vials and shell casings. Looking for hope, but they still waiting. And I implore you to never give up. And like Pac said, uh, keep your head up. And when your back up against the wall, keep your boots to the ground. And stand tall, hold on, and be strong. And go against all eyes, uh. And keep your faith in God.
0: Today we'll be spotlighting our special guest Ramon's forthcoming business, which is Temple Builder Fitness. To get more information about this forthcoming uh, fitness company, you can visit Ramon on IG at Gideon underscore zero one one eight. That's G-I-D-E on underscore
2: one one 8 ...with the host guests, which is Kay, James, Wale, and Karen. Today's topic is I'll pass off to my brother James. What are we talking about today,
0: James? Uh, today we're discussing the Stanford Prison Experiment, the school-to-prison pipeline, and the prison industrial complex. For those of you that don't know, the Stanford Prison Experiment took place in 1973... And it was uh, done to find out whether the brutality reported among guards in America uh, was due to sadistic personalities of the guards or had more to do with the prison environment. So let's uh, jump right into the topic. Um, The first question is, based on the Stanford Prison Experiment, what do you see as the effects of living in an environment with no clocks, no view of the outside world, and minimal sensory stimulation?
3: I'll, I'll start off. So when watching that, what I gathered was, um, I think it ran for a length of six days, I think it was. And what the outcome, how they measured the outcome, was actually cut short. I don't, I don't know what the original length of time was to be, but pretty much, for those who don't know, a little background, it, they, had, um, they had people volunteer. And basically, they just flipped a coin, and that would, that would determine their role. Whether they be an inmate or a uh, corrections corrections officer, so uh, that was it. It's like you already know the people in there. there you don't know there was no like criminal background associated. It was just based off the flip of a coin. So by the end of it, you had the power going to the COK. At the end of the day, this is essentially what happened then. They they went on a power trip, and the the people that that got, got the got the um, what do you call it the shit end of the deal that were playing the um, the role of the inmates they basically were tortured at the end of the day to the to the point where one of the guards um, spouses came in and was just like yo you need to cut this out I don't know if this is actually who you are and you can hide in this this person from me all these years or are we done? So what, what, I, what I did um get out of this was just within six days the the role of the guard went to the went to the head and um it's like I yeah, said so it was just it was crazy. I just watched it I I'd, I'd like to see it more in depth but um that that role that the like they said it, it's the role once somebody gets a role the power that comes along with it sometimes corrupts the mind that's what i gathered out of that and being isolated for six days we saw what the outcome
1: ended up being you ever hear the saying that uh it says absolute power corrupts absolutely yeah. so when you give people that or are, that are not used to having control or power, and a lot of them don't even have control or power in their own homes or over their own lives, but you're giving that power over another human being, then a lot of times those people will exercise their true nature, you know? That's who you really are. Like, you are playing a role as the nice guy, but you're not going to change who you are. If you already had control, you're used to having control. That's almost the equivalent of somebody uh, used to having women. It's not going, whether they get money or have a lot of money or no money, they're used to that. But one of the things about prison guards, what they hire in, in, in our in the prisons across the nation, a lot of them hire people that was in the military. Now, I thank them for their service, but they're used to handling hostile situations. So their mindset is different. And a lot of these cops out here are the same thing. Because they, they get the leadway to a lot of the jobs because there are veterans, right? So you get these guys that was in Iraq or wherever they serve, you put them in a prison. So they're looking at, you know the inmate as hostile or bogey. and then on top of that, if you get you know white, white guards who's never seen black people because it's out, all the jails is out in the middle of nowhere. Now, all they know about black people is what is on TV, social media, rap. So they are looking at all the worst, they think, of, of a black person. So they think we're all the same. Or a brown person. So you put that person in a prison, they're going to run and try to treat this like they're treating a, a hostile territory. So everything is aggressive. The problem is, when you are dealing with guys who are already under intense, or even females, that's under intense stress, because they're eight hours away from their family and they can't communicate. Uh, you know, some feeling guilty over the things that they're done and you get this, this young rookie or even an old vet and you put them fresh in their training. I can sense what guard is going to get their head bust but how they're moving as rookies because eventually you're going to come across somebody and you're going to try to enforce your will on somebody and try to be to try to dominate that man and that man is going to buck back and you're going to get hurt or you're going to get your colleagues hurt or that inmate is going to get hurt. But the reality is all, I, I look at it like this. Those people were exercising who they truly were. If given control, I'm going to give you a prime example. You ever see like somebody like T.O. before he got, became a star, he was, you know, he was humble. He cried when he caught his first touchdown. But then you put money in his hand and fame, you started seeing a different person. So that was who he really was. He just had to take the humble approach. I look at it like this those people, and even that test is accurate. And you put somebody in the control of you, that's the worst possible position you can be in life of being in control of another human, uh, under the control of another human being. Well, Karen, what do you because think? This is the new slavery. So you have masters that's going to be, you know, more lenient, but most of them is going to try to be dictators. Karen, what you think about that?
4: Um, Well, going to the uh, question um, about the living in an environment, no views of outside world, no clocks and minimal sensory stimulation. So with that question, um, coming from a nursing standpoint, um, Major, I'm sorry, Can I'm a mute for a second.
2: And for those watching the show, Karen Cullen, she's a community activist as part of her background. She does many other things as well. Um, so we're seeking her input on what she's seeing over time throughout the changing of communities and the development of new communities that they call so-called gentrification, which we all know is modern day segregation. Also, we have Ramon uh, Hodges, we asked his opinion on um, what he thinks about the prison industrial complex and actually how it works. So we're asking um, around is find out what the Liberated mind show can actually develop to help people see a better view of why we're talking about the topic at hand. You can continue, Karen.
4: Okay, so the original question is based on the Stanford prison uh, experiment. What do you see as the effects of living in an environment with no clocks, no views of outside world and minimal sensory stimula- uh, stimulation? So coming from a nursing standpoint, um, just with sensory stimulation by itself, not being able to have stimulation of the brain um, in 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 I guess the anxiety levels go up aggression is followed with that anxiety Mm -hmm. then you have um, the issue of not going outside and getting enough vitamin D which is very important for a person's mental health Um, we all need vitamin D in order to stay uh, leveled you know that that's very important so you have all those things that are contributing factors to this aggression and, and and these things that play a part in being in prison, being a guard, being being a guard as well as being a, a prisoner because let's let's you know, let's be honest, they're both locked down for whatever significant amount of time that you are, even if you're performing your task or if you're there, because you're an inmate. So both of these parties are actually being deprived and are uh, deficient in a lot of different things that you need to have clear mental health and, and clarity to think um, with reason, you know? <laughs> and that's like the most important thing. When you're under stress and your, your anxiety level is at an all time high, a lot of times you're not going to think with your frontal lobe and you're not going to reason because that that part of the brain is the brain is the part that we reason and we say well uh i shouldn't do this because this is the consequence so that's kind of diminished so yeah so there's going to be um a whole lot of things that um being locked down for uh, an extensive amount of time or just a few hours a day, it it will come with consequences no matter what.
1: Uh, Can I share, piggyback off what you're saying? Like, I agree with everything you're saying because if you, like, for instance, like just for the the viewers, like I did 14 years in prison uh, upstate. So, like, I, I have a lived experience of what it's like to, you know, be the inmate that's walking them yards uh so i've been in quite a few prisons so um, one thing about it is you know when you're walking the yard if you're in Gra- greaterford they shut it down it has a wall so you actually can't see nothing but the wall you can't see trees you can't see any of that uh i was in albion and you it's a it's fences a bunch of bar wires so the only cars you really going to see is the guards cars patrolling the area uh, it's near airy, so you can see a sunset uh, at night. They have a beautiful sunset. So if I walk the yard. I can try to get my mind outside of there and think about the beauty of the sunset. Uh, but other than that, you're not getting anything to be able to, you know, get your mind to imagine anything but what's going on in these walls. So I actually talked to a lot of individuals that's uh, in that's in jail. Uh, they, they became my brothers, right? So... Right now, they're only getting a half an hour a day up in Albion to be able to, and they, and you got to choose if you want to get on the phone or you want to take a shower, but you have to do all this within a half an hour. And they've been on this, living in these conditions for about three months now. So now when, when this family, whenever this COVID thing situated uh, gets uh, gets alleviated or, or done, like a lot of people are going to be frustrated and there's a lot of tension and people can't communicate. And not only this, what the guards do, they study. So they're studying, well, if they was able to adjust for 30 minutes a day, let's just give them two hours a day and just lock them down. And that's less pay. So we they're always looking for ways, because it's business, to cut cut funds and have less, less dealing with the inmate. I had a saying, like, my sister used to be a guard at uh, – uh, -er. CFCF, and I used to say, yo, do your eight and skate. Don't take it personal. Like, don't try to be the hero. And don't bring your problems from the street in jail. If I'm going to, if I got problems at home, chances are now i will come to work, I I got a punching bag in an inmate now. Don't be like that. So where you were saying, I agree with everything we're saying, like, with them, I used to tell girls, you go home every day. They used to say this. Well, I'm doing time too. I'm doing a, uh, I got 20 years till I retire. You have a benefit in this 20. There's no benefit for a lifer. There's no benefit for somebody who got 50, 60 years. There's no benefit in it, especially if he's getting abused. So I just, I view it a little different from the aspect where you're saying the, the, the guard is, is, is in the same thing because, You know, me, I didn't want to watch because I didn't want to know the time. I knew I had a certain time, and and it was a date. You know, that date was uh, 2017. I was up for parole. I didn't care about no other time. And then you get programmed to bells and things of that nature that go off for child, for you to lock in. You're programmed like an animal. Like animals and sheep and cows, when bells go off, they know this is mealtime. If I got a dog, if I say, you know, they see the leash, what they do? They come running. They hear the bowl, they come, it's food. It's the same way they program uh our men and women across the country.
2: No different from Pavlov's experiment in psychology. Now, I have a question for Ramon. I would like um, uh, James to follow up with this. Being know that you had the experience from being a former uh, inmate at several different prisons, now the, ph- the philosophy of the prison system, I would like to ask you, how does that affect the psychology of the inmate when going into prison opposed to how they feel coming out from a psychological standpoint. That's the first mm. one. The second question is, what did you do to emancipate your thinking from coming from an inmate or from a person who made a mistake, recognizing that mistake, becoming an inmate, turn that time around while you were in prison, and then coming out, what have you been doing then? So I would like to let the audience know who they're actually talking to, which is, Ramon Hodges, he's the owner and operator of a startup called um, Temple Building Fitness. Is Right now, is being started up in Philadelphia, but it doesn't have a foundation as of yet, as opportunities still come in. Want to give you the updates about that. Can you uh, help us out with that, Ramon?
1: Uh, uh, so, the, for the first question, I think that, uh, I think the problem is, just like the United States of America, right? Every state won't do their own thing. Every prison, though their Department of Correction do their own thing. So, if you was at Graterford, it was more leeway. Why was more leeway? Because, first of all, you're going to be around more blacks that, you know, probably had family members in jail. So, they're used and they know, like, you're not a bad person just because you did something wrong. So, they're not going to treat you like a leper and like you're the worst human being. So, aside from Greater, for most of the other jails is in the mountains. So, but even some of them jails, if it's like retreat, it was like, you know, low custody jail. So they're going to treat you different. But it's the way PA run their drills that's messed up. Like, because they train them literally to treat you as if you're always up to something. You're always never to believe you. All inmates lie. This is how they train you. Same thing in the police. The, the police. Hold up. Same thing that my sister just walked over. She was a CO. Same thing with uh, uh, the police. Uh, the police where they train Yo, if somebody's wearing this or somebody's doing that, that, you know, they're probably selling drugs. But I might just like wearing a certain type of clothes, or I might just like a certain type of hat. That don't mean I'm indulging in that activity. But when I went to Michigan, it was totally different. I felt free in prison because, first of all, it was open. Like, it wasn't all, they gave you keys to cells. So they didn't, your door was never locked. So you was never locked in. Then they 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 gave you access to order stuff outside, the way they talked to you, they the way they treated you, they wasn't locking you down for every little thing. So then it was it was cheaper for me to make a call from Michigan than in Pennsylvania. I was paying six dollars to call my sister or my family member in Pennsylvania. I was paying a dollar for the same 15 minute call in Michigan. Mm. So when I, I and it angered me, I'm like, yo, y'all was killing me for all these years just and making it almost impossible for me to communicate with my family because y'all had a contract knowing it was an unjust contract. And you was ripping the people off and you say that you want to keep them connected to their family. So with me, I I was the type of person that I knew I did something wrong and I didn't, I didn't like who I was. I wasn't happy, like I've been through foster home, I've been through a lot of different things in life and I dealt with unforgiveness, but I knew what I was doing was wrong. So once I got arrested, I I gave my life to the Lord, got saved and I wanted to live a Christian life, like to the best of my ability. I ain't no perfect, I ain't no holy roller or nothing like that, far from it. But the reality is, I knew like, if I was getting a second chance of life for having a homicide, when I'm meeting dudes who had homicides that had life plus 20 to 40 and all types of things for the same scenario I had. So what would make me better than them? I'm not, but I'm getting a level of grace to be afforded an opportunity. I need to capitalize on that. So I needed to educate myself. I need to teach myself. I needed to stay connected to my family so that I can be, I never wanted to, I never got caught up with jail. You know what I'm saying? Because jail is a mic, is own society. It's a microcosm of society. So the reality is, it's a currency in jail. Whether it be tuna, cigarettes, it's still money. There's hustlers in jail. There's drug dealers in jail. There's predators in jail. There's jokers that will stab you in the in a blink of a second, and sh- just like the street. So I had to retrain my mind to say, Yo, I can't react in ways that I used to. And it was the hardest thing ever because now I'm getting challenged. Where before I would bust you in your head for a thing, now I gotta try to humble myself and be patient because my goal was to be free. And my goal was to try to, you know, help another young brother not become another me of who I was. So I literally, it was times I cried in myself because I wanted to go in the guard mouth or I wanted to do something to somebody that was disrespecting me or doing something. And that created. A tolerance that and showing me like I ain't gotta let anger control me. Yeah. I ain't gotta be what they say they be. And the funny thing is this: consistency will change people's opinion of you. Every guard, a, a guard I'm friends with on Facebook, she 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 sent me a message and she said she said you know I want to tell you something. When you got off the bus from Michigan, a guard called me and said, this is this big dude coming 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 to your block. You need to watch him." He looks scary, he looks mean as hell. I looked at his jacket, because that's what they do, they read your jacket and they stereotype you to your worst moment in life. So she said, well, when you opened your mouth and started talking to me, you always showed me, re- showed me respect. She said, you was nothing like what they tried to paint you out to be. But that, t- that came from me doing the work. Gels is not gonna prepare you to be successful. You have to do it. You have to have a circle. You have to have a team of people that's willing to help educate you and prepare you and keep you socialized. Because jail has a language. It has everything that, and this is why when I came home, I was working two 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 days after I got out, right? I was making $9 an hour at, um, at um, Ivan Brothers and Redding Terminal, right? And they've seemed like my my check was like one fifteen, right, a week. But I wasn't making that a month in jail, and I was working harder. I was making forty two cents. I couldn't even get a honey bun for. I would have to work an hour to get a honey, a, one honey bun. So, how many hours do I got to make work to make phone calls? <laughs> you know what I mean? To be able to, you know, to communicate yeah. with my family. So I was. Blessed and privileged to have my sister and some uh, uh, a couple other people in my life that will help me financially. And when I was at the dark places in my life, I can reach out and have a phone call like, "Yo," I had some people pray for me, I had some people encourage me, and things like that. But the reality is, it was a lot of times I call home looking for encourage, encouragement, and I had to be the one encouraging them. So, with me, I would say society wasn't. Welcoming me back and to be honest with you to tell the truth. I hid the fact that I was in prison for the first two years of, of me being out Because I didn't want to be judged like I got the nine jobs where like I was volunteering then they hired me somebody felt out I had a record and didn't feel comfortable. Let me go but That only fueled me man. I let everything try to motivate me. Do I hurt? Do I get angry? Do I get frustrated? I I cry. Yeah, I cry more out here than I did in there. But my sister asked me, yo, is life what you thought it would be? My life is better in a lot of ways. Spiritually, I need to be far better. You know what I mean? And some areas of my life I need to strengthen. But I'm blessed. But that's not everybody's situation. Like, I came home and I I, I had a home to go to. I ain't had to worry about, like, rushing to do different things. But I got a job. I met some good people, and I surround myself with a different circle. People are afraid of new things. So they go around the same people that that led them astray, and they was doing crime with, and smoking weed with, and then wasn't even there with. I teach job readiness classes to ex-offenders. Like, in all actuality, huh? Where are you teaching it? I'm teaching at, uh, at Strive. It's called Workforce Development through PHMC. But the reality is this. I'm teaching people what I what I had to go through. So they're not... Jails don't provide you with interviewing skills. They don't provide you with uh, any type of skills. They used to be that, but they took all that out because it costs money. So... Okay. Uh, my, my, I apologize. Continue. No, no. So what... The reality is, Wale, I'm going to share this with you. Most of the brothers, man, the resiliency that they have, they don't realize they have it. So you got guys that have come out, and I'm like, yo, listen, bear with me. I'm going to teach you this, uh, and we're going to work through it. I'm not perfect. I've been there. Just They'll be they'll be trying to hustle in the halfway house. They don't give themselves a chance because you're trying to look. One thing I, I I'm glad my family didn't allow me to do is get on Instagram as soon as I got out. Like, they didn't even want me on Facebook. Because you know what Instagram would do? It shows snapshots of people, the best moments of people's life. Then you get to the comparison thing. I tell people that I train, don't look at my body. Because you don't have the same body type as me. Don't try to throw up the weight I throw up. You don't know what I had to do to get to where I'm at. But B, you're in a battle against yourself. So we're... When I finally did, I started looking at friends and stuff. I'm like, man, they married, they living a good life, they doing this, they doing that. I ain't had nothing, I'm sleeping in my sisters. And the reality is when I started really talking to them, they wasn't even happy. So I'm depressed and I'm stressed about images. So what they do is this, a lot of times they come out here and they look at the people. And they hone me up. He got a Benz. He got this. He got that. And they want that. So how do they get that? They go back to what they know, man. I changed my whole circle. So I love my the people that I grew up with, but our the the the, the dynamic of our relationship has to change because I'm not into that no more. So if I see you in traffic, I'ma speak. But it ain't gonna be, you know, we we going to the we going to the bar. Or we doing this or we doing that. No. You can get caught up in an indictment over off a picture.
2: Hey, James, that's something that like that's something that you are saying about as far as the company that we keep and uh, the company that people are around, knowing knowing uh, the mindset and basically the, the homework on people. You want to add on to what James about? Yeah, excuse me, what Ramon was talking about?
0: Yeah, no, nah, that's basically um that that's yeah I definitely agree with that because you can't you gotta you gotta. Match up with people that's on the same level of vibration with you. Uh, you can't you can't try to vibrate lower to reach somebody. You can't try to vibrate higher if you're not there yet. You gotta you gotta get around people that's vibrating on that same level with you because you don't want nobody bringing you down. You don't want nobody pulling you up too fast. You got mm-hmm. elevate you got elevate at your own you know your own timing. So yeah, I, def- I definitely agree with that. You can't you can't be around people that don't match your energy. You what you what you probably was trying to do before, you, you evolve. You don't want to keep doing that. So, yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with what you're doing, man. Stay on that path. Hey, what you think about that, brother? Uh,
3: repeat, repeat that question though, because I missed some of it.
2: Yeah, the question was, um, as far as what do you think about, uh, as Ramon was saying about returning from prison, how the streets didn't welcome him. The wrong type of company was welcoming him in reference to Instagram, the imagery, showing someone at the best point of their life. Because we all know that on Instagram and social medias, we can be anyone we want to be for that moment. So to see that, it could have it changed his mindset to go back to what he used to do by having friends that was on those sites, as far as that temptation. So he basically what he's implying, what he's implying is that does the prison prepare us when we're getting out or when people are getting out, does it prepare us to go right back by jumping into the same life style that we were in by the company that we're around?
3: Right. Um, I, I would say, I would say no. And the reason I say no is, um, based off of, if you look at if you look at what they say prison is supposed to do for someone, they say they're supposed to rehabilitate. But as, as we've seen, prison, the prison industry has become all about money to where they privatize prisons. Um, I used to work for a company, not, not at a prison, but they were the second largest private pr- prison owners in the country. And this was at Job Corps. I saw the way they ran their Job Corps, so it gave me some insight on how they would run their prisons. It was all about statistics and money and making the most, getting the most for your your dollar. So Mm -hmm. with that said, where's the funding to rehabilitate? Where's all that? It's just like how we see now with um, the defunding of the police. They're saying, listen, for every situation of police, police aren't needed. You you may need a, a case manager or a social worker to come out there to help with that because most of these people are dealing with mental illnesses. And there's, I have a cousin down Eastern Shore, of Maryland, my first cousin, he's a CO. He's at a medium security prison. And he, he tells me, I don't wanna get him in trouble, so I'll just leave it at that. He just tells me they're short, they've been shorthanded for at least two years now to where he's literally working 16 hours, eight days in a row. Mm. So you're having people come in who don't want to be there to begin with. You, it's not even if you don't, he says, if you don't volunteer after your eight hours to stay an additional four, essentially what they'll do is they'll let you go home after working 12 hours. And you know, the next six days you're working 16 hours. That's, that's just the way it is. If you don't straight up volunteer for that overtime. So it's mandated. So you have frustrated people working the prisons right now. So how is that preparing anybody if you have frustrated workers of the prison? How is that preparing the inmates for how is that rehabbing them to make it on the outside? And going back to that Instagram social media just period. I, I agree. Social media, what, what your family did for you, Jamon, that that was a that was a big help, I'm sure, because even people who haven't been you know, in prison struggle with social media, the facade, the side of which it paints, where you feel like, oh, you gotta keep up with the Jones in a sense. And if I don't have if I don't have this to keep up with you, people are gonna fall back into bad ways. So I just feel as though the the, the whole system is broken. And and I just think that until there's actually a rehabilitation being focused. Because some people come out worse than what they went in, you know what I mean.
1: So I just feel, yeah, I just feel. You know, Yo, you made a good point. Some people uh, come out worse than what what they came in, because you have to be careful of who you socializing with, because you can get educated in crime. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm glad, like I surround myself with all long long term like offenders, meaning like lifers. Like they are like I didn't chill with nobody else like I, I was doing a lengthy lengthy sentence uh, but one thing about the life lifers is they're serious like they're trying to get home even though they got life so they got fight and they don't want no nonsense like you know the ones that's not trying to wreck and make a name for themselves of being like a jailhouse legend and when you look at that it's like man who are you need to be careful like because you might go in a drug dealer and come out like a murderer or or a stick up kid or, you know, anything. It depends on who you keep company with, man. And I was fortunate enough to like, even when somebody came in my cell, like I'd be like, not my cell, the cell that I was staying at, I get a new celly. I would be like, yo, listen, I'm into this. Like I love the Lord. You know, I ain't into no nut stuff. I ain't into homosexual activity, not, you know, in the robbing, stealing, gambling, none of that. If this is what you into, tell the guards, yo, you need a new celly. Because my thing is, you're not going to get me hemmed up on no nonsense. Like, and then go ride my coattail because you think I got some size to me. No, this is what I'm on. And religion don't matter. But let's be on the same wavelength on like, yo, I'm trying to go home. And that's what it end up to. My mindset is to get home. Don't do something that is gonna hinder my goal of getting out of this June. This is not my home. So because I knew it wasn't my home, I didn't get as, uh, offended as much. I knew I ain't had no rights. So I didn't try to fight for something that's that's not mine. If I go in one of your house and you say, yo, listen, you gotta take your shoes off. I can't say, no, nah, I ain't taking my shoes off. I gotta take my shoes off. So I, I said, yo, I'm." I, I, I condition myself in my mind and say, "This is these people's home." Eventually, I'm gonna get my own home. I'm gonna be out there, and I can set my own rules. So, all right, y'all got these rules of abide by? I'm gonna abide by them, long as you're not physically harming me or trying to oppress me in a, in a way that's uh, demeaning me as a man. You know what I'm saying? So, most people feel as though you have rights when you're an inmate or you're in jail. Literally, you ain't got no rights. Like you don't. <laughs>
2: And uh, as a community activist, what's your experience when it comes to ex-offenders, when they're um, so-called inserted back to, into society? Um, what are the complaints they uh, they have as far as them being accepted in society or even that you've noticed from people that you've known that's been uh, served some time in a jail or prison?
4: I've seen my brother, my oldest to youngest brother, um, Spent all his life in prison, pretty much, until he was about, I think he came home, he went in when he was nine years old, back and forth, um, in juvie, and then in his adult life, he finally came home when he was 27. So he spent the majority of his young adulthood and his childhood in jail. So um, his psyche, because he dealt with so much, um, you know, I guess, being stuck and confined in confinement um he now has like sometimes he has like these these outbursts you know like he gets angry gets upset if he can't find his card keys like little things like will set him off and um i noticed that that's a difference in him because you know he he didn't spend all his life in jail per se because he was he had moments of coming in and out. So you can see like the differences every time he came home. Um but then um the last time he came home you can see that that kind of like um not despair but kind of like um I need to get it together, like I need to leave this type of stuff. Alone, so that I can make. But it's such a big struggle when you're a grown man already, and this is what you're used to, and these are the people that you grew up with, and you know it's just so hard to to take yourself out of that circle and that equation. And a lot of times, you know, our our um our Latinos and Black men are reoffenders because of the company that they carry because. You know, it could be something as simple as they might not be out there doing whatever, but they might want to go out on the block and go, you know, go check out their friends or, you know, go see how everybody in the hood is doing or whatever the case may be. But, you know, you can't, it's, it's kind of like you can't detach yourself from it because it's just like kind of like an umbilical cord. It's just like, it's part of who you are, it's part of your your makeup and it's and it's hard for people that have served time to you it can be done you can you can rehabilitate yourself and really like find your way but it takes a lot of time just like it took a lot of time to be in that position it takes a nice equal amount of time to get yourself back into the mode of because if you never knew how to live a righteous path or not, not righteous in a sense, but you know what I'm saying? Like go to work every day, come home, like, and it's just a routine, you know? Um, When you're not used to that routine and you're used to that fast money or however you make your money, you're used to that. So that's what you, you, you tend to go back to. So that's what I've seen. And that's my experience with my family and friends and who, you know, I grew up in Newark. You know, so um, I've seen it all. And you know, um, quite honestly, it is it, really hard. And and the, this prison system is taking out, taking away all our brothers. You know, we have women like me that thank God that I have a career, I have a way and a means to make money to support my children without the help. The necessary without the help of the father, but would I like that help to be here? Of course, I would.
1: Well, Wale, can I ask you, ask the question like uh, because uh I think like now that I, I've like I, I've changed a lot. I've been home almost three and a half years, so I changed a lot. But how do we prepare like the the women to deal with the men that's coming home from prison? You know what I'm saying, like. Because it's a lot. Like I know I, I I'm a lot. Like you know, like I was like a dinosaur, a caveman coming home. I didn't know how to use a phone. Like <laughs> my niece had to show me how to use the phone. I had to, they had the chirp phones when I was was a uh, last out. So it's like, and then I didn't have a father. So a lot of things that 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 the father, my father, and, and stuff was supposed to teach me, I didn't know. So now if I'm dealing with a woman. And let's say the car tires. I don't know. I got to Google that. I don't know how to change a spare tire. So that can frustrate a woman. You know what I'm saying? And just like maintenance, like stuff that, you know, if we're doing gender roles that a man's supposed to do, most men that come from prison don't know how to do. You know what I'm saying? And women have it worse than men in prison. You know, we talk about men because there's more men incarcerated. But women have it a lot worse. Nobody's gonna see women in prison. Like they got a, she got a baby dad. The baby dad is out running the street and the family then turned their back and she's just doing time. So I mean, I applaud you, sis, because that's not easy.
4: Um, and and talking about that question that you kind of pose, like how do you deal with a man that's just coming home from jail? Like that right there is a very hard thing to do because now the it's kind of like a, a a switch in roles. Like to a lot of men, like they come they come from jail, from somebody telling them when to go to sleep, when to wake up, when to wash your ass, when to do this, when to do that. So now you're coming home dictating that shit to your woman. So sorry,
2: that was CNN, but we don't need them. We got our own network. Continue.
4: (laughs) But now you're now you're coming home trying to dictate that shit to me. Now that aggression that you built up in jail. Now you're coming home to me to take that frustration out on me. If you don't know how to yourself manage it. So I think that when brothers get out of jail. The first step that a brother that's really ready to change his life should do is seek counseling. That's the first very first step that a, a man a grown ass man needs to do to, in order to get back into society and make a conscious and I'm, I want to emphasize conscious effort to do the right thing because you can't just jump up and come out here and think that, okay, I'm free now. I'm going to make all the right decisions. Mm -mm. Because just like Albert Einstein said, you know, he said um, something like, uh, you know, the definition of insanity is doing, doing the same thing over and over and over and then expecting a different result. You're not going to get a different result when you're still doing the same, same old, same old. Like there's no, there, there's no coming back from that if you're not willing to sit down and let someone in to help you cope, because that's what it is. It's coping with society. When you first come out, you, you got to learn coping skills because you got to remember that all those demons are going to resurface. That they, they've been suppressed, but they're going to resurface because what the, the human brain does is that we store a lot of information in there in the unconscious mind. And as soon as something triggers it, guess what? We're no longer using reasoning. We're no longer thinking about um, what we should do. We're thinking about what, 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 what is gonna be like like, like the feeling that, that, that high that we, we got from Doing, doing those things before, or those memories. So we're we're gonna keep reacting the same the same things over and over if you don't go and get the help and get counseling.
2: As far as what my what I think about the prison uh, complex, and as far as the revolving door, the part that bothers me probably the most is not just that our brothers or sisters are unjustly locked in these prisons throughout the country. Is the philosophy. That's uh, established on the street. For example, I could be speaking to one of my many friends has been that has spent some time in some type of correctional institution, and if I'm bringing up a memory that happened two or three summers ago, I started to notice that the psychological path or psychological uh, calendar that these these people I'm refer- referencing to are using is the time they spent in jail. That's how they ma- that's how they measure it. For example, I could say. For example, you'll know, remember the time when John had his bike stolen on Area Avenue going towards uh, Hunting Park and he would say, I don't know, I think I was booked that summer. And when I hear things like that, that is amazing. It's crazy to me. That's the first thing. The second thing I notice when people say, I know people that actually go to jail, commit crimes, you know, reoccurring crimes and go to jail and say, well, at least I get my teeth fixed for free. I actually hear people say that. I have 17 of 18 friends that's been brutally murdered. One uh, allegedly committed suicide, allegedly. Actually 19, uh, the 19th one, uh, he made his transition naturally went to sleep and never woke up. But as far as the prison institution, I firmly believe from my brother was telling me, my brother has spent a significant time in prison as well. He was in a hole for long periods of time. And it affects his psychology in many different ways. You know, my brother was classified as a child prodigy. He was an excellent student any school he's ever went to. Ever since he went to prison making wrong decisions hanging around the wrong people. In reference to what we were talking about earlier about the company that we have, that we keep ourselves in, is an African proverb that says, you are your five closest friends. If you look at your five closest friends, that's who you are. So when you try to blame someone, remember when you're pointing the finger at someone else, it's three fingers pointing back at you and it's one finger pointing up the sky. That's the truth, the objective truth. But in, 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 the prison, in, in, the, in the prison industry, I don't think they focus on teaching the inmates or the people that's in prison justly or unjustly a way to adapt their ways back to the street where they won't value going back to prison. See, it becomes a badge of honor. And when I hear my friends say that, yeah, Wale, I was booked, I did this. I'm not going to say a name, but someone I know from the deep side of North Philadelphia, they're telling me such and such has got life sentence. This is 15 years ago, mind you. And I said, really? Wow, this person had everything he wanted. He had all the clothes his parents bought it for him. He was driving to school. He had all the girls, all these things. The reason why I bring these things up is because it's a roller coaster to disaster. When the parents give everything to children like that and society dictates that they have to be this person because they have that type of clothing or that type of assets to whatever, that's when it, the ego kicks into play. So the ego has a cell in it. The cell is basically saying I'm superior, more superior than anyone else. So now I need a street reputation. So once that happens, the street reputation, they look forward to going to jail and become trained into an industrial army of inmates to say, oh, such and such is running to jail now, Wale. I said, listen how that sounds. Such and such is running the jail. His family is outside. And he has children. He's not even thinking about coming home. Because they've taken a lot of school programs as far as education, college, and stuff of that nature. Guy Fisher, famous drug dealer from New York, he has a Ph.D., you know? They stopped the program when he wanted to go back to school. So is that teaching someone to reinsert themselves back in society? Or is it teaching them to, stay on the so-called plantation inside the prison? So to take out programs that's going to better the person, for example, in high schools, so I went to, well, excuse me, in middle school, I went to Gillespie Middle School. Ramon, you know where that's at. I went there they used to have home economics they used to teach the young ladies and the brothers how to cook they used to have automotive program they had electrician program plumbing all these things they can offer these things in prisons and county jails if they want the person who committed a crime or so-called committed crime to re re rehabilitate themselves to come out with a revenue stream from knowledge to help them continue to earn income on the outside and also teach someone else with that trade. So without those tools, the per- is is uh it's equivalent to putting a person on a deserted island for 30 years and never had a conversation with anyone. That influence in morality is going to be minimum when it comes to conversation or interaction because there's no positive influence to say what's right or what's wrong. It's all instinctive, it's a distinctive. So that's why I think the prison industry is a uh, terrible, but it was highlighted in this book that uh, the Honorable Mumia Abu-Jamal has written is called We Want Freedom. It's about the makeup of the Black Panther Party and the police brutality in the construction of the uh, prison complex in general. He talks about, he elaborates on the death row, how inmates in Pennsylvania, they're allowed to see their family members, but not allowed to touch them. So they're severing every type of intimate humanity connection between them and their family so now they feel like a cheetah in a cage they can see them and they're pacing back and forth but there's they're severing all the connections what does that do to a person doesn't doesn't have any type of reciprocated love in a genuine form it puts them aggressive and it makes them in a defensive stance at all times so they wonder why uh, inmates as Ramon was saying attack uh, prison guards because they have so much built up and nothing that they see coming positive even lifers, they share programs for them. They say, well, if you do this, you earn these privileges. Okay, you done what you're done, it's a wrap. You're not getting out. However, does that one decision dictate the rest of your life? Prime example, Tookie Williams, all the books he's written for children, Squash, Crips and Bloods, Beef throughout the countries. At the voice of a word, at the spoken of a word, he made a bad decision in his life, allegedly, he killed people, allegedly. I wasn't there. However, it's not about how you start the race. It's how you end it. So if you make a, deci- a bad decision in the beginning, and you can influence hundreds of thousands of people to stop committing crimes, stop hanging around those bad people, and actually try to educate themselves from the miseducation that we've been given in this country, which is under is, which is basically the real estate of crime to me, the lack of education. So the lack of education influences to the person, so that also translates into racism because we can't have racism in skin and not having education. Education reinforces it. So it makes us feel that we're not doing anything. We don't have anything in life, we're nobody. So by the time we go back out to the street, we have that mentality, I have to survive. I don't care about you. And we go right back in keeping it real to the people that keep it real that we're just chattel on a slave plantation.
1: Yo, Wale, man. You never spent a day in prison, but you hit the hammer on the nail, bro. And that's like the that's the benefit of having knowledge, and wisdom, bro. Like I tried to apply for school when I was in prison, right? And um, they told me because I had I started off with a seventeen to forty five uh, year sentence. You know, grace of God, thank God, I got back in the court, and they they knocked it down. Uh, within a month, they called me back down, knocked it down. I got it knocked down to 12 to 35. So I'm still going to be on parole for maybe like 17 more years. Right. Uh, So, but it's a blessing. I don't feel like I'm even, I do what I got to do. I go by, you know, I know that I I got walking papers, but they can come take them papers anytime. So I live my life accordingly, but I'm going to share this with you. They told me like, I wanted to learn, but they told me, you got to be two years to your minimum in order to, you know, benefit, from any of the classes. So you mean to tell me I got to sit stagnant for 10 years before I can get any form of education. But like I said, I am truly blessed that God has blessed my family to be able to provide for me so that I can get schooling outside of you know the prison walls. But most people don't have that, like, you know what I mean? So I took drug and alcohol treatment classes and things of that nature, but I had to pay out my own pocket. Because what they're saying is this, we're gonna give you a basketball, we're gonna give you a football, we're gonna give you chess, we're gonna give you checkers, we're gonna give you games, play games, entertain yourself. Like, right? just don't bother us, but we're not gonna give you no knowledge to be able to do differently. So when you said that, I was just like, yo, bro, it's like you've been there. Like, they're not giving they're not affording the the people, whether you lifer, whether you if you're a lifer, you still should be able to educate yourself. If you got 30 years, educate yourself. Because what y'all saying is we're the department of corrections. I had to write people's most of the people in there that especially these younger guys can't read. The left but no child left behind uh thing failed our, our schools in Philadelphia, yo. They, mm-hmm. I had to read Sally's letters like their girl, you got a whole girlfriend or wife or baby mom, and you can't read what they're writing because you don't, you don't, you dropped out of school. And they've been passing you along since the third grade, and you can't read. You can't write a letter. I had to write people's versions. Like, the crazy thing is, I was writing people's versions, and they was getting out of jail. I never had a write up in, upstate, right? They gave me a hit and said I manipulated the system because I'm a violent offender, and I had never got any trouble. Why can't I change? Like You know what I mean? So That's you want correct. me to go out there and wreck out. and and go outside people's head for a period of time, then chill later. But old hands was telling me, like, yo, Mo, you need to, you need to, you know, get a write-up. Like, they was telling me early on, get a couple write-ups because they're going to say this. But I was like, yo, I'm not going, this is my character who I am now. I'm not going to just be doing things because, just to do them so that I could be, but they wound up giving me a hit, but the people I was writing letters, the, to, to be honest, a lot of them wasn't equipped to come home because they didn't have an education. If you can't read, how you gonna fill out a job application? Thanks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. all you can do is hustle. Mm-hmm.
0: Yo, So hey, uh, thanks. yeah. So that kind, that kind of like you know, was into like the prison industrial complex, uh, mm-hmm. like how it's designed. So I know earlier we touched on the uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. Do y'all think that the Stanford Prison Experiment was used as a way to construct the prison industrial complex? Yes. Oh yeah. Go ahead, take it away, Karen. (laughs) Take
4: it away. I I say yes. I did a little bit of research. Um, The NAACP website says um, 17, one in 17 white men will end up in jail. One in six Latinos will end up in jail. And one in four black men will end up in jail and even more women. And a lot of times they don't even talk about how much uh, women are being arrested nowadays at a much higher rate than men are. So the reason that this is a big booming business is because, well, for starters, you have slavery and, uh the jail system is is part slavery, the, the 13th amendment to be, to be exact, institutional racism, the war on drugs, policing, the private industry and the immigration policy. So, these are all the tactics that they use in order to make sure that they're locking up enough individuals every year. And then when it comes to appointing the judges that sentence these people, most of the time, these decisions are not made by the people. These decisions are made by the uh, billionaires
0: Mm.
4: by billionaires and corporations because these judges it says many judges are elected by voters and they've been shown to give harsher sentences during the time of election so usually around election time judges usually give more harsher sentences So you have in recent years 50 to 60 percent of political donations for key uh, judge positions come from lawyers, lobbyists, and business interests and massive corporations. So this is just like a business, like any other business. You know, they need a certain amount of people to continue to be, to get locked up. So they have to have all these different ways to lock people up. And most people that are locked up aren't even, haven't even gone to trial yet. Most of those people can bail out, but because these people don't have the financial means to bail themselves out, they sit in jail to await their trial. And while they're sitting in jail, waiting their trial, they're being used as slaves. They're being like, pretty much their labor is, uh, I mean, being used by people like Starbucks. And, and, and I mean, the uh, BP oil um, spill that happened years a, a few years back. Do you know that that BP spill was cleaned up by mostly inmates? Oh.
2: That and construct, they're doing that with construction sites as well. But how about this? If you look at, if you remember in the news around about uh, 2011, there was a judge that was found a huge scandal and he was sentenced to 28 years for, check this out, 28 years for literally taking over a million dollars in bribes to send brothers and sisters to privately owned prisons. That's just the first one. His name was uh, Judge Mark Cariella Jr. You know, and that's, that's, I, I believe it's out of New York or something like that. I think it's out of New York. Oh, uh, excuse me, it's a Pennsylvania judge. Hometown, Pennsylvania. Why am I not surprised? They have a Rizzo statue <laughs> for in a, a municipal building. It should have been decapitated by now. But anyway, but anyway, this ain't Facebook. I can go in. So look, there's <laughs> gloves off. Boop, boop, long as the truth, that's all that matters. But um, also, uh, I would like to touch on, um, I, I had a question for you, Kay. As far as like uh in New Jersey, what you were what you were seeing as far as the um in comparison between Camden, uh, Newark and other places like that in comparison to where, you know, other places in Jersey, the as far as the prison, any friends that you have, do you have any friends that have has been serving any time in any prisons in Jersey and compared to the the uh the type of Ju- so-called judicial system of Pennsylvania? That's what I would like to know.
1: Nah, most, most people
3: I know is in Philly.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I actually did time with dudes in Jersey uh, that, you know, one of my good friends, he did time in Jersey. In Jersey, uh, they're more lenient than PA. Like, mm-hmm. where, like, it's like flat time. So, PA give you a 5 to 10 or or seven to twenty, and they can keep. Even though the judge saying, "Yo, you do the minimum of the 7, if you run across a net parole, um, a, a parole board member, they can and, and think you got two less of a time. They can keep hitting you. But I think the worst place I was locked up is Texas, yo. Texas is crazy, man. Not just legally, but the mentality of the inmates. Like I ain't gonna lie, like. God was going to have to do a, a major work on me to keep me from not like if I would have had to stay out there. Cause I had to get extradited from Texas back to Philly cause I was on the run. But I did like 90 days in, in Texas and it was crazy, yo I'm talking about crazy. The racism is through the roof. Everything is segregated. You stay with your own kind, you know, it's Aryan nations is this gang It's the Mexicans gangs. It's, and it's just, it's, it's, it's like, Prison movie type game, uh, like jail, like you know. In, in PA, you can pick a side, and if you chill, most likely it'll be chill. But in a place like Texas, it's no. You gonna have to you gonna have to choose a side, and you know. And if you're religious or spiritual, stay in you. You better stay in that. If you' dibble in that, somebody going like, it's just crazy. It's like, and then they'll kill you in the blink of an eye in Texas. Like far as you know, definitely. death penalty. Like, okay. where PA, you'll be in death row for 30 years. No, you get the definitely, you'll be dead in seven five five years, like, you know, or sooner. Like, they're getting rid of you. So, Texas, I don't – that's some place you – like, and then they've got a lot of privatized jails. Like, when I – I used to like Bob Barker when I was growing up because my great grandma used to watch, you know, used to watch it. But yeah. he owns a lot of the stuff that's in the prisons. Yep. Like, oh! Bob Barker! Yeah, I, I don't didn't know that. But you know why he started it? He wanted to get his son something and uh, from prison. They was like, No, he can't get that. So Bob Barker said, I'll buy it for the whole block. So they wouldn't allow him. So he said, You know what? I'm gonna make a business out of it. So Bob Barker, a lot of his money come from prison, Michael Jordan. A lot of his money come from privatized prison. That's how he became a billionaire, not by the sneakers. That's a different Michael Jordan yeah, yeah. though.
0: Yeah. it's a white guy.
1: Oh, it's a white guy. I threw it. I I read it, Michael Jordan. I'm like, yo, but these guys is like, they take it. So one thing about privatized jails is this, that they they got a contract with the with the with the judges that they have to keep the jails populated 85%. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they can't let people go because they got a contract with the judges. So they got to keep these jails filled. How you want to keep the jails filled? You got to keep locking people up. You got to give people a lengthy sentence so that they can't come home. That ain't like, justice. That's not justice. That's 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 just you being a creep, taking a bribe, and you not. My thing is this. You know. Like in the street, right? If there's a shootout, you shoot me and I'm shooting at you. Why are you going to give me a life sentence? But what they doing is this. It's wrong. I'm not saying me taking your life or you taking my life ain't wrong. But it wasn't malicious. First degree murder is premeditated. If I'm defending myself, why are you giving me a life sentence? Because you're killing two birds with one stone. You got one dead black person. And another we're gonna give give them a life sentence. And then we don't have to deal with them. I was sharing with somebody the other day, I said the that a woman, I said the black man is under attack. They don't, you know, it's not that they don't care about the woman. They're willing to help you. But they they wanna eradicate and get rid of us. So ship us away, lock us down, make you devalue us by putting you on welfare and saying, we'll take care of you, just don't have the man in everything this is, is strategic man they are playing checkers but we're not waking up and seeing the moves you gotta you can't think about this one move you gotta think five six move ahead in order to really capitalize so we i'm privileged to be on this show with y'all because i'm with brothers who who are who have the knowledge and the wisdom and y'all ain't been through the life i, I live but together when we combine experience with the knowledge And when we like bring it together, we're able to have impact. But this is the type of stuff that needs to be shared, man, because the reality is if they get you to act out in anger, they got you. You need to let, be mad that they're doing what they're doing, but attack them where where it hurt. Vote, you know what I mean? Go, you worrying about Trump. Trump is not really, he's affecting us, but you know who's affecting us? The judges, the DAs. These cops is mad about Krasner. I'm gonna send you a June Wallet that I had to do when I first I did when I first came out. And now cops is mad at Kras, Krasner, Larry Krasner. Why? Because they saying he's 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 uh criminal friendly. No, he's just giving blacks a he's affording blacks that same opportunity as the whites is getting. Exactly. The whites was getting slapped on the wrist for cases. So he they want us to get slammed like we've been doing. And he like, no, listen, we're gonna give him a five to ten. For, for that. When before he was getting twenty to forty, or he's a child. Let's put him in a treatment program and allow him not to get a record, and just you know see if we can help him and not send him to jail. And get no, they don't like that. And the cops is man, I got friends as cops. Like I used to be against that, but now I've, I've changed. I'm not a criminal. I pay taxes. I do all that. Like you know what I mean. So I can be friends with a cop because, you know, I'm not. I don't indulge in that activity, like right? I mean. So I talk with them, and they be like, "Man, Larry Krasnick. I'm like, "Listen, bro, you and these is black cops, not white. These is black brothers, and they, but they, they've been trained to see things from a, a lens that they've been indoctrinated with by the police, and they, they, they see us as a threat. Or why he he, he should have got this amount of time? No, bro, we've been getting hammered." And 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 all and when white people been getting slapped on the wrist. This is I get caught with a, uh, a, a ounce of crack. He get caught with two bricks of uh, two bricks of coke. And how he get less time than me? Facts. Okay. How? It's not even math matter. We gonna make 60, 70 grand. I'm gonna make two hundred dollars.
2: Well, how about this? The uh, the uh, first degree murder. Uh, murderer, uh, Dylan Roth, the white boy, who went in that church and murdered all those people and admitted it. Instead of, t- instead of him being you know, assassinated on site because he was armed and all that stuff in the process of doing it, they locked him up, took the cuffs off him, allowed him to go to Burger King. He ate a whole value meal in Burger King, came out, then put the cuffs on him, then let him sit in the back seat, then took him to jail. Now, how do you
1: explain that?
2: How, how, that was my next words. How do you explain that? But it's rhetorical. It's because it basically shows how they think, how, what they think of us, and we're not standing up doing anything about it until the George Floyd incident. That's been getting so much tread on it. Mm. So if if we're exposing, and other people are so embarrassed, and they're seeing their own uh, lack of voice. Michael Jordan included, and other people. Mm. As well. It's right. so much momentum behind it. They're forced to recognize it. People would have the cowardly mentality of, as long as it doesn't affect me directly, I don't care. So basically, the nature of this show is the same thing. It's basically about when the roles reverse, how does right. that affect? But we're talking about prison reform, you know? Mm. It's, it's a difference. When you put that kid who gets everything in a situation, he most likely is on a guidepost to go right to prison. Once he gets out, he comes do the same thing over again. The mm. thing, and the prison's not helping. So this whole reversal thing is a consistent thing. It's proven by the judge that was selling people to prison. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. Right. That we step out of.
0: And to add to that, um, arrest the colors of Breonna Taylor. That's it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> right. That, that entire situation I mean. is, is, bru- is brutal. It's, it's, it's appalling,
0: you know? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And that guy, he like he was posting on um about his uh, fiance or something the other day. The, uh, the well, who is it the, the DA or something? A Georgian? Yeah. Some some guy. It's it's a black it's a black guy. And he he posts all these pictures on Instagram of his fiance who who is a white woman. And like these police officers are so free, like. I'm like, I'm like go figure, but then I found out that uh he's he's one of Trump's boys. Oh, um, so so it so it makes sense. Y'all remember that one case um
3: with the with the white boy, I think it was a DUI and he murdered something. What was it? Affluenza they said he suffered from. Oh my goodness. That was the so weirdest case ever. That, right. So I mean we have we see these cases that are blatant right in front of us, but is like Karen had mentioned the 13th Amendment is where you can legally enslave people here, um, post, you know, post African enslavement, but Mm -hmm. post the mafia. But my whole thing is, is it goes like this. You make up to, what is it, like 23 cents on average? So I read somewhere that they said like 23 cents on average, somebody may make up to $500 a year. That's like a, a maybe. So then you have these corporations Benefit, and this goes back to James first uh, to his question about the industrial part of it. So, you have these companies getting cheap labor. Um, I, I believe they said on average they make about $500 million worth of uh, prison labor. This is what these mega corporations are getting just from people being enslaved. So, we know it is a business thing, it's a business arrangement. Because mm-hmm. you have cases whatever happened that case with that judge though did they did they go back and look at all of his cases and
2: um I'm not sure I'm not sure they uh if they um how do you call it redacted any of his cases if that's the best way to say it but I know he received a 28 year sentence but um I don't see uh anything about him
3: but
0: uh,
3: I mean there's like we said there, there's so many instances that we can name I'm sure we can name enough to run 10 hours straight. But my point is, what's the, what's the punishment involved? There's not a steep enough punishment involved on those people that violate, you know, that, that are basically predators upon people that have been caught up in the system. So it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to make a deal with you to fill this prison. The way that these private prisons work, if it's anything like how it worked for if it's like government contract. I know if you don't, you're allotted a certain amount of money and you have to use up that money if you want to continue to get it. If you exactly. fall short of it, they reduce your money. Mm-hmm. So if that's the same way it works with bodies, um, filling up these prisons, you can see how the slightest thing they can throw you, throw you in prison for. Over here in Jersey, I know I know they're trying to pass, a. Um, de- I think they just decriminalized marijuana. But they want to make it recreational. But the holdup is, I know the Republicans don't necessarily want to take, take it off people's records. That's the biggest ordeal. If you're going to be selling it, making it recreational, it's a booming business, why are offenders that are locked up, why would they remain locked up with something that now anybody can make money off of legitimately? And why would you stain the, you know stain their records with that? Like you said, it's all it's all preconceived. It's, it's to the point where it's like, you guys are second-class second, second class citizens, and you know that this country is for us at the end of the day. And I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, you have, you have people that have done something, and they have to do their time. But at the same time, you, once you join that institution of racism, once you institutionalize racism, and it's systemic, there is no balance. There's no balance, like we were just pointing out, how You could be a caucasian and get a slap on the wrist for the slightest thing we seen it back in the crack era with the crack how they were throwing people in 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 prisons for crack versus cocaine because you know where people sell uh, crack mostly versus where you're gonna um, buy cocaine so Mm -hmm. i still it all boils down to racism i I, i'd like to see i'd like to see in a a majority white state how many of those inmates are um, doing time for the stuff that we would, that we would get locked up for. And any, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying? I would just like to see what the, what the statistics is on that because it's, it's, as, it's as clear as daylight, but yet it still goes on to this day. You have people getting locked up. Oh, the DNA, they did 25 years. The DNA came back, said, oh, this person wasn't the, uh, wasn't the offender. Prison literally give somebody a million dollars and say they should be happy with that. Twenty five years of someone's life, and then they have
2: to wait more time before they're released. Yeah, yep. they're released yeah. In ten more days instead yeah, of right. finding out they found out ten oh one. That person should be out ten oh two.
1: Right. <laughs> like, come on. I think I think it's a uh, it's, it's just. I mean, it's a lot of work that need to be done, but I think that you know, you going. It's it, the people needs to gather. Like, it can't be a a few. A few can start it, but I'm talking about everybody needs to link together and and speak up on it. And most of the time where we don't vote, we're not not exercising our right to vote when our ancestors was killed for trying to go. You know what I mean? Literally hung and and, and beaten, and, 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 and they would try to invoke fear on them because they knew it was power in your vote. Like, we, I'm saying, a lot of the things that that we neglect, like, reading. Like, I'm saying, I'm, like, you got people that don't value little things like reading, like, where they was getting killed for trying to learn how to read. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, it's like, when we going to wake up and realize it's knowledge in the books. Like, you, we need to figure out the game, like. And they know, like, you know the saying, what they say, you wanna hide something from somebody black, put it in the book. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Like, it's a reason why they didn't wanna want you to read the Bible. Cause they knew that I can control you by my religion. Know what I mean? It's a reason, and we are still not waking up, but we rather sedate ourselves with the L. And as you was talking about, think about prohibition. You know how I many people died and went to jail doing prohibition? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, literally. That- Tons of people was getting killed. Like they was wiping people out for about prohibition. But the government is like this. If we can't make money off it, then it's illegal. You knew alcohol alcoholism, the detox from alcoholism is the one of the most dangerous detox. That and heroin. Mm-hmm. However, y'all know this, but y'all gonna sell it because y'all can profit off it. We is probably one of the lessons where there is it's medicinal factors that's 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 beneficial for people. Know what I mean? But all this time, now y'all gonna say, oh yeah, you know we see the benefit. No, you see the dollars. Exactly. You see the dollars. And because you went in on it, y'all like a game. Yeah. Y'all run this joint like, like a game. Like y'all like, yo, if a penny get made in the hood, I went in. If they can't tax it, it's wrong. Yeah.
2: That's something that we see all the time. Anybody have any final thoughts or any wrap ups or any conclusions?
0: Um, I just wanted to add to what uh, Ramon was saying that um, I think what it all comes down to is um, not only does the 13th Amendment, um, you know, make slavery still a thing, but mental slavery is strong in a lot of people. If you can enslave people's minds and keep them there and make them dependent on the the system or believe that they're supposed to be where they're at in the system – it's so easy to control Mm them. If you don't have a bunch of people that's willing to unite and willing to rise up out of this and even practice something small as group economics, like group economics, if we got on one accord on one page with that, we would be able to prevent any kind of situation where brothers and sisters would even have to do anything that would remotely get them even close to prison or jail but because of our the mind the mindset that's been you know programmed into us it's like it's preventing that from happening and we got to find some way to break those chains in everybody so yeah, that's just all I would had to add to that
2: yeah I want to introduce everybody else to, to our special guest, uh brother Ramon so uh need. Yanni- couple of closing things that you want to put about
1: your business, Ramon, or what? About man, your- uh, we still getting off the ground, but I just want to thank y'all, man. It's truly been a privilege and honor, man. Like, like me being a Christian, a lot of people got a, a false view of Christianity, man. It say expose all works of darkness. That's biblical. So mm-hmm. what they're doing to black and brown and, and using systemic racism and just injustice on a whole nother level, it's darkness, man, and, and I, me. I gotta speak up on that, and I've lived it. And some, of, a lot of people that I love is living it, man. So I think you, man, Wale, man. The way we met is crazy, but you, my brother for life, man. I, I, I'm telling you, man. i It's like, like it's it's truly an honor to know you, man, and you introducing me to other brothers. That's like, man, like a wealth of knowledge that I've received. Like y'all teaching me, and I'm just like, man, I'm so I'm putting the jewels on, man. And I'm, I'm going to apply it in my life. And hopefully when this thing get out here, man, people will listen and people will recognize what we're dealing with, man. And further educate themselves, man, you know. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
2: Definitely. Well, how you come back once again. It's another episode of Liberated Minds. You got Brother K. You got Brother James. You got Sister Karen, our special guest. Ramon, we're going to be back for another show. You got me, Wale. Holla at you next time.
1: Peace. Peace. This generation under so much pressure held to a standard impossible to measure. Without guys, they suffer
0: no father in sight uh no love from their mother not the bin for the one
1: in the mirror self-image disorder, can't get no clearer. damn lost souls devoured by the streets ain't no fairy tale or yellow bricks by their feet only crack vials and shell cases looking for hope but they still waiting and i implore you to